Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, we have a brand new listener with a brand new prompt, and we're going to dive right into that. But before we do, I always want to remind you that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, where you can click the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to follow us on social media, you can always go to our Twitter at Let's World Build, or if you want to come and chat with us more directly about all sorts of stuff, including The Last of Us or some other stuff that I have in mind. You can always do so by clicking a link in the description and joining our Discord, where you can chat with us and other members of the community. Of course, if you're feeling particularly generous and want to support World Build with us, you can always go to our Patreon, where you can give us money and in return, we'll give you access to early episodes, patron exclusive episodes, stuff that we can't air on podcasting platforms for myriad reasons, among other really fun and interesting goodies. So if you're interested in doing that or just giving us a little tip, you can always go to our Patreon. And with all of the shilling out of the way, let's go right ahead and dive right into this brand new prompt from our new listener, Cam. So Cam, thank you so much for submitting a prompt and thank you for listening. It's always great to hear from new listeners and get new prompts. So our prompt this time from Cam says, Loved the podcast and decided to finally submit a prompt. A modern fantasy world where spells are not learned, but given and bought. Uh, Land of a thousand spells, parentheses, maybe. We'll see. The tenets are, there is one deity who, when given an offering, will return a spell. This deity has become industrialized in the modern era. They exist in a somewhat physical form within the world. Tenet number two, spells are spoken. And number three, spells can only have relatively minor effects. And so with all of that, I'm very excited to dive into a modern fantasy world. And to start us off, Courtney, you are currently the the holder of my Dresden Files book collection. So uh, I believe that it's only fair that Daniel start Mm -hmm. us off. So Daniel, Mm -hmm. what do you got for our first tenet today? So much, so much switcherooing. I've maintained this switching consistently for (laughs) the last, I want to say like four to five episodes. And um, at least, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm going to maintain this until I tire of it. And considering my personality, uh, we'll see how long that is. Daniel, (laughs) tell us what your first tenet is. So I remember reading this book that was about uh, interpreting Star Wars in different ways. And one of the essays I thought was very interesting um, posited that in the Star Wars universe, people actually can't read. Mm. And and it showed various ways to interpret the universe in, in that context that like people are really just like, you know, looking at diagrams and screens and mm. illustrations rather than actual reading mm. texts, which is kind of neat. So in this setting, because spells are um, this sort of disseminated material that people acquire, my tenant is that people are just not literate and literacy mm. is an incredibly rare skill akin to esoteric knowledge. Inter- so like cool. knowing how to speak like Aramaic or Latin or something like that. Oh no. Being able to read at all. 
No, no, no. But I'm saying that it's akin to oh, knowing. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's like an okay. unusual, rare skill to have is be able to read and and write. Or, or it's like it's treated as a party trick where it's like, oh, look, Daniel can read Aramaic. Daniel, say something in Aramaic. You know, like something right. like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool because I feel like yeah. we often take literacy for granted in mm-hmm. yeah. world building stuff. And mm. the reality is, like, for vast portions of history, mm. most people didn't know how to read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of something that we just assume, like, you pick up any fantasy novel set in the generic European medieval Renaissance mm. setting, and everybody knows how to read, of course, even like the peasants um, who are shoveling poop or whatever. But Mm. Oh, poop peasant. Yeah, the the poop shovelers. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> poop smiths. Oh my god. The poop, the poop smiths. Yep. Courtney, uh-huh. I'm so glad that you brought up history because now I can talk about how history matters. Uh, yes, you're absolutely correct here, Courtney. This is definitely something that is, I would probably argue, is partially reinforced by the relationship between the Christian Church and its peasantry and the people who follow, because for a long time the church believed that being able to read the Bible was a major part of like maintaining and holding power. So translating the Bible into modern languages. So uh, German was a really big one that actually caused like massive uproars and calls for excommunication and all sorts of other things. So Mm -hmm. the ability to read and translate the Holy word of God as in the Bible was actually a massive thing. So like, I, I would imagine that, I mean, if I were to be cynical, that the church was probably okay with not teaching people how to read to maintain some modicum of power in that way. But also, like, let's be real, like people didn't have the time to read back then unless you were had leisure time, but that was very rare. So yes, okay, that's that's <laughs> it. I'm, I'm done with my history thing. But yes, Daniel, that's a very cool concept. And I, I think that I have a tenant that might help uh, ease that just a little bit, or or at least kind of give context to that. But before we get into that, let's continue to talk about Daniel's thing. Yeah. Thinking about how like spells can only have minor effects. I mean, maybe a minor effect that a spell could have is like, I can read this paper or <laughs> something like that. Like I can temporarily comprehend this language in its written form. Mm. Uh, and then that wears off and you go about your day. Okay. Uh, I've got, I've got an idea actually, and it doesn't have to do with anything to do with my tenets, but how do we feel about something happening where language or words have been cursed? So it's literally like damn near impossible to read words just, Hmm. just because like some eldritch horror was like, Hey, I'm going to make it impossible for script to be read. So it's like, you're looking at words and they're like warping and forming or something like that. And like, I'm thinking about this as like an origin point for why like magic exists in the form that it does. So it's like the the Eldritch being made this the way it is to stop wizards from being able to cast spells, except they just transferred the ability to cast spells from reading words to just like saying them, you know, something like that. And I know I'm jumping way ahead here, but like, I, I, I'm just like, I got the sea. Let me water it real quick. Let me see what y'all think. I mean, it could be interesting as a reason why people can't read, but I'd be curious to hold on to that and see what the other tenants are to see how it, it could fit in potentially. All right. All right. Well, I'm fine with that as well. So I did say that I have a segue, but Courtney should probably go after I get rid of my segue. So what I'll do is um, my first light tenant. This is like a little soft one that I just thought was kind of fun. 
Um, when they say that spells are spoken, I'm going to use that term liberally. And I'm going to suggest that spells have to be sung in some way. And the pitch and the way you deliver that spell is important and matters. So you can do spoken word poetry, but there has to be some performance to the spell in some way when you perform it. Interesting. So it will lend itself to um, especially interesting languages where the words mean different things depending mm-hmm. on how they're intoned, like, yeah, um, yeah. like Chinese language and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Which is why like you're, you're able to perform in different ways. And I imagine that's like wizards perform or, or, or magic users, you know, like perform differently depending on which culture they come from, because it might have a rich tradition of like poetry or a rich mm-hmm. tradition of like singing or something like that like that's kind of uh, uh an interesting way that we can kind of figure it out as well yeah the fact that like pitch and rhythm and things like that matter in mm-hmm. speaking these spells like that also paves the way for like apprenticeships and the importance mm-hmm. of education and knowing like no 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 you say it like this not this the whole uh mm-hmm. i'm just thinking of that quote from harry potter the Leviosa. Leviosa. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like that sort of thing. Um Mm -hmm. where like you you have to get the pronunciation and everything exactly right for the Mm. the impact that you want the spell to have. Because if you stumble over a word or Mm. if you say it in the wrong key, it could have effects that you don't really want. Yeah, I I was also thinking of like the pitch of your voice, like Mm -hmm. if you're singing it, right? Like then all of a sudden singing talent matters. And because it's modern fantasy, my brain immediately goes to like smoky black and white neo-noir or noir bar. And there's the femme fatale singing in one of those old style microphones. And mm. like all of a sudden she is the the object of attention and power because of the way that she sings, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. But I think that's just my my brain works filmically a lot of the time is what I, is what I've found. Um, if we're in. A truly modern setting too then like what about things like auto-tune and Ooh, and like that sort of yeah. adjustment as you're singing yeah that's actually super interesting right not just auto-tune for your own enhancement right like oh i'm gonna make this spell powerful they're amplifiers quite literally in some cases but perhaps like being able to pitch down or warp the pitch of your enemy in some way as a form of like counter spell like that's kind of interesting to kind of mess with as well. That's fun. Mm-hmm. It does raise questions depending on how modern this is. Modern could mean, you know, the 19th century could mean near right. future. If this A, inability to read and B, the need to pronounce things can't be mediated by technology in some way. Because, for example, even 10 years ago, we had a limited like Google Translate sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And we had text to speech and things like that. So I imagine if there is a curse, for example, that might be part of what's stopping this from working. Mm. Because if we're going to be in a technological context, then we'll have to worry about technology solving problems too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially when you can't read, like, what does that imply? Like, how would technology work? How does technology differ? Like, mm-hmm. what does the internet look like if we are in a truly modern age? You know, like mm-hmm. things are going to vary wildly, I would imagine. Yeah. It might be that like much of the way our communications are designed are pictographic or video based mm-hmm. or, you know, not blocks of text. And so the Internet has been mm-hmm. designed differently you right. know, and everything is based on visual symbols rather than text. So it might just be totally foreign to them. And so the technology yeah. was never really developed for it. 
Okay, I know that I brought this up recently and I'm going to bring it up again because I don't care. This is just where my brain is going. Daniel, it's the Star Trek episode with the language, you know? <laughs> Daniel, that one where where it's like Tarnak and Janad meet on the whatever. Tarnak. That that one. Yes. Yeah, cuz I imagine that that's like an easy way that we can treat shorthand and stuff like and, and I would imagine that like when you have, you know, like idioms like that as a language, there's a reason for it for shortcutting and stuff like that. So just mm-hmm. just a concept maybe we can consider, you know. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. There is um going back to like the visual representation of ideas and stuff, there's a concept in like quote unquote real life magic of sigils that are drawn or engraved and Ooh. that are used for spells. Yeah. So that could be what these like spells are. No, you're super right, Courtney. I love that idea, actually. Mm-hmm. Technically not words, but you know, yeah, like just symbols and shapes yeah 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 yeah. although i do want to stress that part of the reason why i introduced illiteracy is to raise the value of people who can read yes because then your spellcasters right. yeah. are the ones who can read right yeah. i don't think we're we're arguing that sigils replace uh written language i'm just suggesting that that's a possibility is sigils existing well mm-hmm. courtney suggested it but you know what i mean to communicate in general right now Right. Yeah, as like general, broader communications, maybe. Like we were talking mm-hmm. about how would the internet function and maybe there's right. there's a series of sigils that power the internet, like oh, uh, something be... like that. Right. Yeah, but All I right. think they're they're too uh abstract for true like communication. Mm-hmm. It's not the same as like a pair because like I'm picturing right. like they may have this sigil based kind of communications that are like for marketing and for basic communication on the web, you know, like it's like a soft side, mm-hmm. right? Like it's not a written language, but Things that spells themselves, being that they're also songs in a sense, those are contextual. Like they have mm. length to them and they're in a written language. Mm. Mm. All right. So, Courtney, mm-hmm. is it your turn to go? I think so. Yes. I believe it is. So, Courtney, why don't you hit us with your first tenet? We can go from there. All right. So I'd had a lot of fun with our space communist setting we did in Utopia of a Thousand Laws and wanted mm-hmm. to experiment again with thinking about alternatives to capitalism so i want mother of god (laughs) (laughs) so i want there to be at least one country or city state or something like that in this world that treats spells as something distributed to its people according to their needs so in other words the government there gives spells to its people and maybe acquires them through trade or taxation or uh, has priests on hand to make offerings Mm. for them uh, editing Courtney, please put in the uh, USSR national anthem here <laughs> for our listeners mm. in full. And if it's not in full, then you're fired. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's good. I like that. <laughs> yeah, actually, I like that a lot. That's really fun. But I, I, I appreciate the idea that, you know, magic is for everyone. And it is this kind of communal resource that I'm very curious to see how that develops. That does raise an interesting question because it also is saying then that reading is for everyone. But if if spells are distributed freely mm-hmm. in a communist sort of way, only certain people can read them. So then when people acquire spells, like, do they acquire them because they want to keep them in their library to then hire someone to read them for them or sing the songs for them? Or like, wh- what's the value? What's the I guess, what's the how the transactional process work? Hmm. Yeah, I suppose we haven't really figured out the economics of the spells, right? So mm-hmm. the prompt is that spells are not learned, but given and bought, right? Mm-hmm. But we don't know the origin point of spells necessarily, right? Well, there's like the one deity who can 
give spells in return mm-hmm. for offerings, but and it's right. it doesn't too. Yeah, it doesn't specify that that's the only source. Right, exactly. So so I'm curious is maybe this alternative communal kind of like magic system found, found a different source of something, you know? Oh, I like I like that. Like maybe cuz the industrialization of the deities suggests something counter to what Courtney's suggesting. Because Courtney's mm-hmm. describing a society that maybe it is industrialized, but industrialized has the connotation of being part of like capital. And, and mm-hmm. Right. You, you know what I mean? Like it's more of a um, a money-based thing, right? Whereas what she's suggesting is perhaps um, in their society, they've learned how to create their own or write their own spells or stories and because they have more literate people versus wherever the industrialized god is you know they're just they don't, they don't want to create them they're just making them from this god hmm. interesting yeah so actually going into this prompt i i guess i wasn't picturing spells as needing a written language component mm-hmm. but it sounds like daniel like you you want that i in my mind i had pictured these obviously i pictured like scrolls or something written down mm-hmm. and i imagine it could still be the case that a spell is transmitted by oral tradition, for example, or by being <laughs> sung, right? But in order to sing it, you'd have to understand the written language, or at least you have to understand the words, right? Not necessarily being written. And it could be that in your society, they don't necessarily write them down. Perhaps they convey them, you know, through oral tradition. Yeah. But maybe in the other society, they're written down. This you know? is the song that never <laughs> ends. Yeah. And it's the source of all of our magical power. So no one stops singing it in the system. Like, <laughs> I mean, I could see I can see them being written down by the other this industrialized space and passed yeah. along as pieces of paper versus maybe spoken in yours. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But, yeah. but there is something to the idea of like oral tradition. Right? Like there is maybe mm-hmm. there is a power to a song that never ends to a song that repeats over and over again. So there's a thrum of power that perhaps mm-hmm. is either amplified over time or through rounds or something like that, that mm-hmm. is just maintained, right? Like that's mm-hmm. their tradition is to always maintain this song. I like that a lot. Yeah, like a, a cathedral or a temple or something where oh, the yeah. same spell or sequence of spells has been sung for hundreds of years oh, wow. um, in like shifts of singers and, yeah. and stuff. That's a cool image, yeah. And then when you like carry a tune in your heart, you're literally like carrying a vestige of that power with you. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of interesting to think about. I think, I don't know. That's <laughs> kind of cool. Well, we don't necessarily lose the illiteracy component there either because right. someone can repeat an oral tradition and not necessarily understand what's being spoken. Yeah. You know, so like some of these songs might be transmitted without truly understanding the literal things they're oh, saying. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Versus in the other place where the, the supposed other place where things are written down mm-hmm. you know those people the, who are literate can actually read it and perhaps mm-hmm. a literate person can understand the song that's being spoken in Courtney's yeah. group you know mm-hmm. yeah i mean like i i know the lyrics to songs that i don't know what they mean because they're in different languages but i still know the exactly. lyrics you know like yeah. that's absolutely a way that you can think about it for sure mm-hmm. i mean and furthermore i bet understanding the words to your original point rob is more powerful than simply repeating them yeah, but repeating them is still part of the process. Yeah, that's exactly. really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fun. That's really dope. Look at this. Look at this world coming together and stuff <laughs> like that. How about that? All right. Cool. All right, Daniel, let's jump back to you then. So get us started, Daniel. What is tenant number two for you? What's that look like? I think um, Courtney, having created a separate group actually lends to what I was thinking about with this one. But my mm-hmm. tenant was 
that this industrialized god has actually been broken down into multiple pieces and separately mm. exploited for the production of spells as capital. Mm. Um, Gross. <laughs> and so I imagine, you know, we have one group, for example, the ones we were talking about producing physical paper, and I'm picturing like a factory for some reason, mm. that has a piece of this god. And maybe the ones who have learned to transmit the songs by oral tradition, maybe in the cathedral there's a piece of it that's always singing. Mm -hmm. um, or emits music, maybe, I don't know, that mm -hmm. inspires them to keep singing. And there could be other pieces in other societies. Hmm. Interesting. So is it like the more of this deity that you control, the more power that you potentially have? I think so. I think mm -hmm. the more perhaps of a, the one true language you have, you know. Yeah. How, mm -hmm. how deep do we want to go when we're talking about broken down into component parts here? Are we talking about like the, the finger bone of a saint like type relic? Or is it like, you need like a whole ass head or like a hand or something like that. Like wh how, how far down the component parts list are we looking here? When I was thinking about it in my head, I was thinking of this, the deity as not having a traditional body. Like a, I wasn't picturing a person. So I was thinking very big chunks and there's only so many of them. So like less than 10, you know, and they're big. Okay. But for countries to have. Okay. Okay. That, mm -hmm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But when you define them as chunks, right? Yeah. Like that, that suddenly becomes slightly disconcerting to me because it's like just random chunks of meat, you know, <laughs> that you put together to make a giant meatball and we have the meatball mm -hmm. God. Like, <laughs> well, is, again, I thought of it as not, not, um, non-human. No, I, I understand. But yeah, not physical, even though it was like golem like, you know. Okay. Okay. That I can understand. No. So we can also even take out like the physiology or, or yeah. the, you know, like so we can make it so it's like perhaps a bunch of runes that you put together to create like a golem or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like you know, I don't it doesn't have yeah, to be like a yeah. heart and a head. I was thinking like right. pieces of an object that is the god, you know, and it's mm -hmm. big. Sure. I, I'm gonna use my third tenet to <laughs> say that one of them is a heart because that's I think that cool, is yeah, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> like a crystalline heart. Like I'm picturing I'm yeah. picturing them being look because like I didn't want individuals to have pieces of this. It's more like factions would. Mm -hmm. So like you know, like a country would have one hunk right. of it. But uh, of course, those factions have heads and the heads are going to be individuals. So I imagine that they're going to be people who are more or less in direct control, control. like monarchs yeah. and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's really dope. That also raises the question of what happens when those are broken down further. Like, is there a risk of like mm. greed in trying to break things down even more? Would that dilute the the magic power that exists in the world? Oh. I, mean, I think that would be an interesting like storyline for a piece of it. And mm -hmm. then we could raise questions like, oh, does it like you're saying, does it dilute its power? But I wonder mm -hmm. that I imagine that they're treated as very sacred things that you wouldn't want to break down. Yeah, we don't know right. if you'll just break it if you do that. The, right. the alternative, of course, is that we have it. So 10 is just the number that we have currently and is not the original number yeah, of component cool. parts. Mm -hmm. Right. So you can have tales of oh this nation tried mm -hmm. to do it now that's a wasteland or something mm -hmm. they lost their language forever you know uh, for example yeah uh and so now like being mute is like this kind of symbol yeah. of of great uh, shame right yeah. not to bring ableism into it or anything like that but you know like that kind of thing it's really sounds like a cool bardic campaign mm -hmm. yeah like it's something where like you you've lost your singing voice so you can no longer sing the spells yeah mm. Oh, the, so the arch enemy in this one is Ursula from The Little Mermaid then. Mm, got it. Yep, exactly. I love it. <laughs> yeah, okay, got it. Um, the talk of 
the golem imagery and then the sigils from earlier makes me think of like sacred geometry and mm, the idea ooh. that certain geometric shapes have these sacred uh, meanings or concepts behind them. And mm-hmm. so maybe the the golem form is a series of these sacred shapes that. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. If it was all like put back together, it would be this essentially like an artwork in itself. Yeah, oh, or, or a great machine that gets put together mm-hmm. or like moves as it gets put together. That's really cool. Yeah. And then that also is the geometries like that speak to the shapes of instruments, too. Mm-hmm. So like I imagine things in their societies have been constructed after the mathematics in it, which because mathematics is a form of language. So it's like maybe mm-hmm. like it's mathematics and that's sort of the the language, the, the fragment of the language it contains, because then you have like factions that speak different languages or have different written languages that only certain people understand since most people are illiterate, mm. but it derives from these objects. Yeah. Mm. I like that. Yeah, that's cool. I'm down. This is uh, this, you can start to see the shape of it. Mm-hmm. And for my second tenant, I've decided to be really weird and really specific. So I've decided to essentially suggest that there is a major faction that is made up of an organized syndicate of mummies. And uh, <laughs> because it's modern fantasy, Modern, of course, meaning that we have better preservation techniques for mummies. So it's not the traditional wrapped in linens and stuff like that. That's kind of like a vestige of the old ways. No, instead, these modern mummies have more modern science to maintain their rotting, decaying corpses, including stuff like Botox, uh, makeup or latex Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But considering all the sigil stuff that we're talking about here, I think that there is some way that they're utilizing this magic to maintain their form in some way, or maybe it's a consequence that we can talk about, but I got Hmm. mummies and they're an organized crime syndicate. They don't necessarily have to be an entire faction or even controllers of a particular sigil. Maybe they run throughout, but that's what I got. And I'll let you guys go from there. (laughs) (laughs) Mind you, I I do want to provide some context here. We're recording this shortly after the Oscars and our boy, Brendan Fraser, won best actor. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what better way to honor Brendan Fraser than to bring up the 1999 yes. classic. Yes. <laughs> yes. Brendan yes. Fraser. Of course. Uh, so in honor of his Oscar win, that is part of the reason that we're introducing <laughs> mummies here. Continue on uh, speech over. Yes. Uh, congratulations to Brendan Fraser, star of the 1999 classic The Mummy. Uh, I think I think that you're going to have to addend that statement to Oscar winner. Yes. Oscar Brendan winner. Fraser Brendan Fraser. And yes. star of the 1999. Yes. yes. yes exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm picturing like uh, the sort of wraps that mummies had, but like inscribed with these sigils and mm-hmm. geometric forms. And that's what is keeping them alive giving them life and maybe for like their dealings in uh in the outer world they can remove those wraps and appear as just people so it's sort of a a ritual that they need to do to wrap themselves so that they Mm. don't start to decay horribly i really i just i love that it's just kind of it's random but somehow it makes sense and if (laughs) it's it's one of those ideas where we can fill it with meaning because it really points us in a particular direction and so it makes me think, okay, what do mummies mean? Mummies are like these, they're an attempt to preserve something about the culture. They're part of, about the, they say something about the afterlife, right? Because then the Egyptians believe in like the body being physically conveyed into the afterlife in some sense. 
That's why they have to take their organs That's out. That's why the mm-hmm. preservation was so important to them. Yeah, and mm-hmm. important. So in the modern setting, what does that mean to preserve the body in the living sense? And then we have missing language. There's a lot of options here, which I like. Mm-hmm. Like not to mention that, like in terms of hieroglyphs and in terms of like literal pictograms and stuff like that, using that as like wraps as, mm-hmm. you know, each wrap yes. tells a story or something like that. However, I do I do want to push like we don't have a specific timeline, but I do want to maintain that plastic surgery is still a viable option for these gross mummies, because I think that that's a really fun way of doing it. Now, the other alternative is instead of linen is you can have like leather wraps or leather straps. So they take on a more modern look that way as well. They're still inscribed with these pictogram sigils, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that uh, my attempts to modernize the mummy are within those kind of contexts. But thematically, let's talk about what Daniel was talking about, because I'm also really interested in talking about that as well. Well, I, I don't want to lose sight either of the of the idea, like Jordan was saying, the wrapping them themselves in sigils. Like, what does that mean? Like, what yeah. is that going to suggest for us? And also, are they other question I have is like, we don't necessarily have a villain yet, although there's a suggestion that this industrialized society seems sinister. But I almost feel like for some reason the mummies have something nefarious about them. Maybe not mm. directly nefarious and malicious because we're going to expect mummies to be evil. But <laughs> So that's an expectation. <laughs> Maybe they have like goals that are at odds with others, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I think there's potential there for them to be some form of conflict. You know? Well, I mean, they are a crime syndicate, right? Like, I, yeah, I yeah, think that's pretty <laughs> explicit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if we're mixing crime syndicates, I mean, like, the, uh-huh. we're, it's the Cosa Nostra, but like, you know, mummies yeah. involved instead. Mm-hmm. And the question is, like, are they evil or is it just, okay, they're, they do unsavory things? Are they the villains? I don't know. But I think there's a potential mm-hmm. for them to be villains. Yes, I, I agree with that. One thing that I was thinking about as well is that there is very obviously like a cultish quality or like an initiate quality to this whole mummy thing because it's a process, right? You you have to be turned into a mummy. So maybe mm-hmm. like part of like the initiation process is you have to serve as a, an initiate for a while. You have to make sure that you're blooded in correctly and stuff like that. Now, the other part of the mummy lore, if we're going strictly by you know, universal monsters, then the mummy who returns from the dead is cursed, right? So the curse is what makes the scary monster mummy a mummy. It's because it's not that the body has been able to pass on peacefully. Mm-hmm. It is it is cursed with unlife and has to, you know, it, it, there, there's various interpretations. But that that's something that we can focus on as well is this idea of curses And we can loop back around to the kind of like language curse that I was talking about earlier. And I was thinking like the curse of ink or a curse in ink or something like that, where maybe speaking or or reading words or something like that is a way to evoke some kind of monstrous entity as well. And so the shift away from written language was necessary to prevent this kind of eldritch being from entering the world. And if we wanted to make it so the mummies are evil, then you just have them be the cultists for that kind of monstrous entity because curses, curses. I mean, it, it kind of works out if we do it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, two things that might play into this is one, given that these are now immortal beings, the idea of oral tradition becomes much more important because they have mm. all of this knowledge that they've accumulated over centuries, um, which 
you know, the average person wouldn't because everything is passed down right. by word of mouth. And the other thing is the idea of like rituals and spells that take place over extremely long periods of time, like years, centuries to cast a single spell. Mm. So they could be also doing something like that. And maybe that's how they're trying to summon their their eldritch god or something. Courtney, that part that you said is really brilliant. Like longevity of or or power of the spell is directly related to how long you're speaking or how long you're able to maintain it, right? So if if you have the song that never ends and you're able to lend out power, the power comes from its longevity, right? Mm -hmm. And mummies are taking that same concept, but they're perverting it because they are able to maintain this chant, this song, this ritual. And it just so happens that, hey, this ritual is going to take a, a thousand years to complete, mm -hmm. to revive our dead God, but it will happen. And that's why we've been cursed with unlife is to make sure that that ritual is not broken or something like that. So the more powerful you want the magic to be, the longer it has to go, the, the longer the, the chant, the longer the initiation. And mind you, this doesn't break the tenet of spells can only have relatively minor effect because, yeah, the stuff that normal magic can do is going to be relatively minor because it's like you can only use it in like breaths or sentences at a time. Whereas this is like breaking that kind of paradigm and, and for interesting reasons. It's, it seems like the pieces have all been put on the table for us because <laughs> we're speaking about an entity from the past that um, it needs to be, in a sense, pieced back together. And we have pieces oh, yeah. of the god lying around. And I wonder uh, if instead of the expected, which would be to literally put the pieces together, it's more about it's not that the god was broken, but that its language was broken. And thus all of Ooh. these factions have been created because they speak all pieces of the language. And maybe these mummies in doing their long term song, like are trying to put the language back together again. Mm. Mm. Oh, so the mummies are actually not awful. They're not bad folks. <laughs> I mean, maybe they have nefarious reasons, but ah. it's it seems to me they're trying to complete a, a song of a thousand years. Right. Mm. That. Mm requires so the good. pieces to be put together right not down. Uh, addendum to that because that's obviously going pieces to be the title uh, it's not song it's dirge of a thousand oh, years dirge. like come on Ooh. come on it, yes absolutely but daniel yeah thank you for creating yeah. sorry cam daniel beat you to the title uh but come on it makes you think of like babel right like yeah, yeah that's yeah. that was the key way to um that this way by which God broke them apart is by destroying right. their language, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, that's so fucking cool. Damn it. I love it when a plan comes together. Like this, <laughs> it's so good. And you know what the funny thing is? We haven't even gotten to our final tenant. Yet. I know. Now I we're going to put the icing on the cake here. Yep. <laughs> or turn, or turn the cake upside down. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let's start with, we're, we're not at like the cherry yet. We're still like putting the topic. So I guess Courtney's going to be the sprinkle. So sprinkle some sprinkles on there for us, Courtney. What do you got for us? <laughs> All right. Um, now I feel like my second one is kind of lame because we already sort of covered it. But well, let us know what it is and we'll find ways to make it uh, really interesting and Marvel. fucked up and weird. Yeah. So let's go. Team effort. We got you. We support you. Your tenant is good and valid and awesome. <laughs> so let's hear it. All right. Uh, it's just that while the data currently exists, well, I had written down primarily in one form in the world, but it's been split up into 10. 
I mean, technically, uh, can, one form split up. It's yeah, still one yeah. form. Yeah. But you can still give it offerings from anywhere. Mm-hmm. So you can have an altar at home that you you do these rituals to mm-hmm. or you make offerings to and you receive spells. I don't know if that would appear as just like slips of paper or if it would be like a, a sigil that appears in like a, a scrying mirror or something like that. Like mm-hmm. you, you see it and you, because it's not really written down, like the more powerful or permanent spells would be you kind of have to use it fairly quickly uh, before it fades mm. so it's like a little prayer it's like a little shrine mm-hmm. that you pray to and then you quick grab it real quick right? yeah, yeah and then like that's yeah. that's the power that you have that's mm-hmm. that's really fun How, in yeah. what way is that lame that's super interesting yeah, i think that <laughs> yeah. says something fundamental about the culture despite there being fractured and that is mm-hmm. yeah i think that despite that we all have different languages and this God's language has been broken, we're all still speaking the language of the God in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. So we're speaking different languages, but still one language. So these offerings they make, however they're doing it in their personal time, it's to the language of the God rather than Mm -hmm. the actual representation of it, the pieces that have been broken. So they're getting back little words maybe that they can recite, individual words that have really tiny effects in their personal space. I mean, what, what I think is more important is that it speaks to the idea among the people that there was one language in the beginning, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. One thing that we haven't talked about at all is we have magic, right? What are the expressions of magic in this world? And I think that if we answer that, then we might be able to make Courtney's shrine deal, make a little bit more sense, or at least give it some kind of interesting twist or spin or something like that. So what should magic or what can magic do in this world? What's the expression of magic? Yeah, since the prompt specifies that it can only have minor effects, like I relatively can't imagine, minor. Yeah, rel- yeah. Like I can't imagine that you'd be, you know, sitting at home in your in your little shrine set up in your closet and like cursing a an enemy to death or something. But mm-hmm. I think you could probably um <laughs> Dude, well, more minor hold on. Hmm? Curse to death. Who needs that? Curse of inconvenience. Now that, ah, <laughs> come on. You might not be able to kill somebody, but like, hey, this person is going to uh, stub their toe real mm-hmm. bad today, or they're going to get mud splashed on their shirt, or just every minor inconvenience that is like, you know, it builds up and it builds up over time. And uh, mm-hmm. that that's one way of thinking about it, right? And I'm noticing that the theme of curses is coming up, is or at least the the word curses is coming up repeatedly. So keep that in mind. But conti- continue your thought, Courtney. <laughs> I just want. I, I'm sorry. I'm getting very excited over here. I apologize. No, no. I think um, you could probably use it for all sorts of fairly minor things, like uh, keeping your plants healthy or setting up a spell to feed your cat while you're away on vacation mm-hmm. or uh, stuff like that, where it's like fairly uh, simple things that, and especially in a world where there is no written language or that most people can't understand written language, I think Mm. stuff like that would be important to making society function, I think. Mm -hmm. Perhaps along those lines, like what the words do is give objects animus. Mm -hmm. So like, if I'm trying to think of like, what's the expression of the language of the God, right? Mm -hmm. So if I have a single word, maybe I can give an animus to a broom to clean my room right mm. or if i'm taking an industrialized spell that's a set of longer instructions that gives a longer mm. animus to things so like if i'm able to read that whole spell maybe i can have it construct a whole deck of my house right mm. mm-hmm. so and then that obviates the need for hiring a bunch of laborers 
And I'm thinking like, because the, the spells in the sense are words, but they're also songs. Mm-hmm. So it's like perhaps, you know, like they can have um, more mystical effects, more sacred effects, but the way people use them is more as instructions mm. that command things to happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'm, th- I'm picturing yeah. like a prestidigitation sort of yeah. thing right. for the most part. It makes me think of uh, Fantasia. Yeah. 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 Yeah, With Mickey and yeah. Yeah. Oh, classic, classic trope, Mm -hmm. right? The other thing that I was thinking about is I I was thinking back to our uh, communist magic is for everyone thing. And I was thinking about like, well, a song is in your heart, right? So maybe uh, I don't want to dismiss Daniel's idea and I don't think I'm doing that inherently, but I want to think about this from another angle as well thinking about how magic is bodily or at least maintained within the body, because if Mm -hmm. magic is in your heart, magic is in your soul, then maybe it's expressed physically in some way as well. And I think that your animus idea still can definitely work. Like you carry that magic within you and then you touch something to imbue it with life. Like that is definitely something that can happen. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. Like maybe the the words of the God go through you. Right. So like when you read the the text, it acts through you and then, Mm-hmm. Whether it's touching something or whatever it is, like it gives right. the animus to other things. Mm-hmm. I, I just like the idea that like the spells are bodily in some way or or it's not like you're warping fundamental realities. It's not like you can cast fireball. Right. Yeah. Th- that's that's right. kind of what I'm interested in moving away from is like being able to muck around with the foundational energies of the world. Like, oh, I, I don't want to be able to cast a lightning bolt. But I want to be able to have something work through me or, or, or mm-hmm. something like that. I mean, I could see singers like singing to something and it like comes awake, you know, to do something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So that requires your breath and your speech. Right. right. And there's a sonic element to it as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like it has to be like, the, oh, that's actually really interesting when we think about it. Or you play an instrument and then sing, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah no, 100%. Yeah. Because we don't think about what sound is, right? It's literally the vibrations in the air. And so mm-hmm. you're, you're literally breathing life into these things. You're breathing life into the world when you're doing something like that. So, so yeah, that absolutely works. That's dope. Yeah. It's like transferring energy from your, your body within your body into other objects or things like that. Right. Yeah. That's okay. That's cool. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm down with that. I, okay. Okay. Holy shit. We're like almost an hour into this. Holy shit. Okay. We, we got to do the recap and then we got to roll for the twist. All right. Daniel, your first tenant. What was it? My first tenant was that the people in the world are illiterate and literacy is an incredibly rare skill akin to esoteric knowledge. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are you satisfied with that? Yeah, I think, I think it's pretty essential. I would say yeah. we have room to like figure out someone who can read like they must have very particular importance and i imagine there's flavors of them there's like a bard that sings versus someone who can actually read and just reads Mm. like Mm. there's probably different kinds of classes if this were a game you know Mm. of adventurer question do we want to associate reading with evil in some way and not not entirely evil but like maybe most of the people who know how to read are using it for nefarious purposes like the mummies are all literate or something like that I think it should vary by the faction. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm I can see that. it being viewed differently, like or there's a, a mistaken belief that it is evil in certain areas because of stuff like the mummies, but yeah. it can be used for good. Gotcha. I'm cool with that. All right. 
Uh, my first tenant. I legitimately don't remember what my first tenant was. What was it? Um, crap. What was your first tenant? Second tenant was mummies. First tenant was. Mummies is foundational. Yeah, of yes. course. Oh, the sing part. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Singing. Yeah. 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 All right. So, <laughs> yeah. so my first tenant was uh, the element of diction and pitch and like singing or, or performance has to be imbued in order for you to cast the spell. And considering the talk that we've had, I feel like that's pretty well established at this point. We, we kind of ran through what that might look like, how it might be expressed. And uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with how it worked out. Unless mm-hmm. some of you aren't. That sounds good to me. Okay. Yeah, I think that one makes sense. Because it, it right. creates like a, almost like different classes of, um, of readers. You know, you have the singer mm-hmm. and that's essential to it because it's mm-hmm. the way it's intoned. And I bet some of the faction languages, like we said, are like an Asian language that has a particular way of pronouncing it that contributes mm-hmm. with meaning. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Courtney, your first tenant. Uh, mine was that I wanted there to be some country or city-state that treats spells as uh, something distributed to its citizens based on their needs. And I, I liked that we had that like ever-singing cathedral idea that came out of that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm happy with how that kind of worked out as well. Mm. I think that that type of tenet is definitely something that um, I think requires a little bit more context to kind of build out a little bit more but yeah, i think that we've yeah. kind of established them as a interesting like foil to some of the other like daniel's pre-established uber industrialized thing mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so yeah all right speaking of daniel let's loop back to daniel what is your second tenant sir my second tenant um is the god being broken into pieces okay I, i'd say that's pretty foundational to the setting at this point right mm-hmm. yeah i think the idea of it producing um Spells as capital is done in different ways depending on where those pieces are. Right. Who has yeah. the means of production or the, I'm sorry, the means of spell casting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, did this deity choose to be fractured or was it something that was done to it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. The easy answer is that whatever destroyed the God destroyed the language, kind of what Daniel was saying earlier. Yeah. Right? yeah. So mm-hmm. that's the easy answer. Maybe a twist will help us kind of answer something else. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe we hold off on answering that for the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, My second tenet was uh, hyper specific in honor of Brendan Fraser. Mm -hmm. We have a Oscar winner, Brendan Fraser. Oh, God, you're right. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Um, Oscar winner, Brendan Fraser. We have a syndicate of organized crime mummies and. We've talked about them. Uh, I think that we've integrated some cool lore behind them. I think that they mm-hmm. could use a little bit more oomph to get us all the way there. I think that there's some questions that we could still answer, but I think that answering the twist is probably a good way to get some some solid answers out of that idea. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And Courtney, finish us off here. What was your second tenet? Uh, that was that even though the deity exists in like physical forms you can still give it offerings from anywhere and it kind of speaks to you in uh the form of the sigils that we had discussed earlier yeah i think that works yeah yeah i think so too yeah it granting like a vestige of power some way or mm-hmm. magic right like maybe it's just a note or a chord or a singular word that needs to be put together with other things but yeah i think that works how do you feel about it courtney yeah, I like it. I like that it's sort of a a much more personal sort of 
state of being of this magic mm. as opposed to the more the much more industrialized uh pieces of the deity or mm. even like the cathedral in my communist setting where there's this constant singing yeah i i, I do think that there is probably something to the expression of the shrine as well you know like depending on how the shrine looks or the location even it probably differs greatly i'm thinking about like people who might carry a traveling shrine or people who might yeah. carry like a, like a little box around their neck that they can just whisper into and like that's kind of how they pray or something like that oh interesting that's cool yeah yeah there, there's all sorts of cool things that you can do with like what a shrine should look like and what mm -hmm. it, what it can express mm -hmm. as a result you know yeah yeah all right, so we've got the tenets, we've got the recap. It's time to roll the twist. And our twist for this time is the protagonist slash hero has a savior complex so bad they caused the problems. Oh. <laughs> well, I guess that kind of speaks to the question you had earlier. You know, honestly, this uh yeah so i suppose if we see this as hero slash protagonist as the god mm -hmm. so it has a savior complex so bad it caused the problems the problem i imagine being it split itself up right yeah okay it makes me think that because the mummy's really old right so perhaps among them there was one that was this is just a throwing that's out there that was trying to unite society did it made one language and then that and in turn caused it to be split apart for some reason oh uh, yeah mm. i was also thinking that it could relate to one of the mummies like one of the mm. original ones or maybe even the original one yes that's what I was who's thinking. still around yeah. by the way because yeah yeah have yeah of course yeah of course yeah oh you know what you could do too with that is you can make the mummies more nuanced like the original one is a big bad but the rest of them they're trying to do something yeah. good even though they're criminal criminal organization i like that yeah. 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 They're opposed to him in some way or her. Yeah. Uh, we, no, we're not talking about the Tom Cruise mummy, Daniel. You get that shit out of here. Her. I've never seen. Oh, it was a her. Yeah. Mummy. <laughs> was it a her? Ter it was. And it was terrible. <laughs> Another thing that you could do, too, is like that is the origin of the mummy's curse is whatever it did way back yeah. when to whether it was like fracturing the deity or or doing something. Um, maybe back then it thought that it was like rebelling against some some force that had grown too powerful and it wanted to like mm. reduce that power. And unfortunately this was the result. And in doing so it got cursed with this eternal life. Okay. He hear me out. Maybe this original. Uh, yes. I love that idea. Courtney, a hundred percent. I'm adding on to it. Maybe the thing that it did was seek out and destroy other languages. So mm. in its head, in its canon, in its heart, it's like, okay, evil is being spoken through these other languages. So there is a grand unifying language, but in doing so, it shatters the God or something like that. Yeah. Like, so yeah. that's where the curse comes from. And the, oh, oh, okay. So maybe the curse that it holds is its ability to remember and speak other languages mm -hmm. and that has denigrated mm -hmm. it or cursed it in some way. Mm -hmm. It's both like the main mummy's multilingual is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like mm -hmm. that because that, yeah. that means he's very dangerous, you know? Yeah. 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 Oh, wait, that's actually pretty fucking cool. Now. That oh, man, very that's dope. cool. Yeah. Okay. And he could potentially, you know, if uh, he unwraps himself, potentially he could hide among any society, right? So he's almost yeah. like a changeling mm -hmm. or a shapeshifter in a sense. Yeah, Ooh, yeah, you're not yeah. wrong. 
So, so let's, let's tie back to the twist. The protagonist has a savior complex so bad they cause the problems. So is it the God who encouraged this behavior and unwittingly shattered himself by like wanting some grand unification of language? It's a reverse babble. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like, cause you're saying the original mummy was trying to destroy the other languages to create a one language, right? Right. And I think this is the case of like mankind bringing this upon themselves. Like they create this one language and I don't, I, for some reason, I don't want the God to be evil. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe that is, he had tried to create it by doing this and he did create a unified language. Maybe in for a time, maybe he did rule and things were mm. peaceful, but things went wrong eventually. Right. And then it broke mm-hmm. apart. Yeah, I want to I want to you know? clarify. I'm not trying to make the God evil, but like, no, no. When it has a savior complex so bad that they cause problems, like what does that look like? You know? Yeah, I think the mummy has a savior complex. So yeah. bad. Oh, that's okay. what I'm thinking, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, back then it did whatever it did to cause the split, whether it was like uh, unifying languages or destroying languages and mm. maybe now like it Why does not both right right yeah and the twist yeah. does say like hero slash protagonist so maybe they do want to fix things and mm-hmm. maybe they're trying to figure out how to do that but many of the people that they've attracted as their sort of mummy subservience are not the most well-intentioned people mm. i mean to your point too like they in order to have made this happened, right? He had to have created a god, or at least the body of the god. Like in destroying the other languages to create the one language, maybe that is the piecing together of this thing, right? Mm. Which then mm-hmm. creates language, creates a society that he rules over. And I think perhaps over time, the other mummies or whatever, something happens in this so-called perfect society or just this, you know, this pharaoh dynasty that goes mm. wrong, mm-hmm. which then leads to a Tower of Babel situation. Maybe not caused by a god, but caused by the people themselves rebelling against the situation and then mm-hmm. breaking apart the actual the actual god he built. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hold on. Idea? What do you think about the idea that the sigils that represent the broken pieces are like the languages themselves? Right. Yeah. So that's my thought of it too. Yeah. 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 He like forged these sigils to create an eidolon of his perfect deity. Yes. Like all together. And then it chat. I I don't know. That that's that's kind of what I've got. And like you guys Mm -hmm. can be smarter than me and like add some stuff in here. No, I I like that because then he's got this Mm -hmm. this structure. Maybe he does succeed in uniting the people, but it's a tenuous unification, right? Like people demand to have oh. their own tongues right? yeah and that's, that's yeah. exactly yeah. what it is yeah like people yeah. must be able to speak not just one language but a proliferation mm-hmm. like a, diversity is required for this for society right right yeah. and so yeah. over time things fall apart right know? so a grand right. unification isn't even necessarily a good thing right right mm-hmm. exactly. so the god coming back together might not even be like what's best for the world like we might no. want to see it broken down even further or something mm-hmm. yes. like that mm-hmm. or at least like become like Maybe it's too late, like something like that. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I like that a lot. Because, yeah, it does tie into like the idea that, you know, languages, when they die out in the real world, like that's such a great loss of history that takes Mm -hmm. place because Mm -hmm. a lot of the languages that do die out just had, you know, oral traditions. Like if you think about Native American languages, some of which there might only be a few speakers left who who know all of the stories. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... That actually is really 
poignant in a world where written language doesn't exist, right? Where memory and language is solely through the spoken word, solely through the expression of the individual, right? Right. Uh, So memory also has a lot to do with it. Yeah, goddamn. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay. Uh, Well, I feel like we've already kind of created factions here, y'all. Like, do we even need to do that part at this point? Like, we've... We've created a robust world <laughs> filled with mummies and shrines and communists. Like singing communists, yeah. Singing, well, I mean, that's uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, everybody's singing, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like we've got a pretty solid selection of factions too, yeah. and like even mm-hmm. with the mummy thing that we just discussed, there's kind of a main quest there of like, oh, absolutely, you know, keeping yeah. this guy from doing what he's going to do, yeah. or yeah. By the way, I, I realize that we haven't defined modern yet mm-hmm. and i would like to define modern as strictly the time period of the 1999 movie with <laughs> academy award winning best actor brendan Fraser. <laughs> so strictly that time era is is what we're talking about when we talk about modern how do we feel about that okay okay and the mummy is the mummy from that movie Oh, it's what's his name? Arnold something, right? Like, it's what's like his name? not Billy Zane is how. No, I yeah, he very. It, he looks <laughs> yeah. just like Billy yeah. Zane, but he's not Billy. I think his name's yeah. like Arnold something, isn't it? I think so. Or uh, Darnold. It's something Darnold. weird. I swear, it's something like that. Arnold Vosloo. Yeah, there we go. I knew it was Arnold. Okay, gotcha. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Daniel, you just have to nod your head and we will understand that you agree with this pact that we're making here. Don't know what it means, but I'm glad you guys are excited. (laughs) Good. Okay. Wait, Daniel, have you not seen The Mummy? Oh, I've seen it. Okay. I was was going to fly out to Boston to make sure that we watched it. The second Mummy I remember seeing in the theater and um, when at the very end, isn't there like some like epic charge with some warriors or something. Oh yeah. Everyone like cheered. They lost their minds in that particular one. I I watched that movie uh, when it came out in the drive-in because where I grew up, there was a drive-in movie theater. I miss drive-in. Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. They, they just don't exist anymore. I think I've seen the second one, but I'm not sure. I know I haven't seen the third Mm -hmm. one, but the first one is just like too good. Courtney, I watched the second one on DVD with your boyfriend and we watched and um, had a grand old time together. Nice, so, nice. Yeah, has has some good moments in it. My, one of my favorite during that screening, Courtney, I know that we're going way off here, but I don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, during that screening, Courtney, there is a scene where a little pygmy guy like pole vaults using a spear mm-hmm. and then skewers a man. And your boyfriend and I laughed our fucking heads off. <laughs> And rewound that scene no less than two or three times. So, Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Fond, fond <laughs> memories when we were but children. Uh, but yeah, it was it was good times. And mm-hmm. I think that you can tell from our love and our joy of this setting that we had a great time building it. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Cam, for sending in. Oh, absolutely. Prompt. Cam, if you have another setting that you want to send in, please go right ahead. Please do so. We'll be happy to build it. And and uh, maybe throw in some mummy references. Why not? Or not? I mean, it's your it's your setting. You don't need to. I've been looking for a um, a setting to create with bards for OSR Plus, so I may steal this one as well. Daniel, you're more than welcome to. Yeah. Of course, you are. Where <laughs> everyone plays a bard. I once played a game that was like that was super fun. But I always oh, nice. thought it would be neat to have a setting where that's just a rock like, band, Daniel. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> a bard. Oh, yeah. It's a rock band. I thought it'd be neat to have a setting where it's like the heroes have to be bards. 
because of the setting itself, which mm-hmm. I think the setting lends itself to that. Uh, we've yeah, created yeah, several yeah. settings like that already. Oh, yeah, yeah. But this one, like, it seemed more fundamental to it. You know what I mean? Uh, okay, mm-hmm. I got you. Well, yeah. I think the heavy metal one, right? Like, oh, I love that. That's true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a good uh, one. We yeah. also had the musical one, which was also fundamental to it. Was it a Western, know? right? Wasn't it? Yeah. It was like Space, space Western. Western. Yeah. Space, space Western. Western. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, anyway, this is another <laughs> great musical repertoire that we've added on here. It has it has some versatility, too, because it's like you could play bards, but mm. you could have like more of a quieter character who's like a scribe or something. It would work. Sure. Yeah, like a cleric yeah. type. Yeah. yeah. Or you could be a mummy. Versatility. Or, like, yeah. or you, you yeah. could play. It's true. You yeah. could play mummy because mummies aren't all evil. <laughs> we determined that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, come on. OK, so let's be real. What is what is the biggest trope? When it comes to like mafia or like crime syndicate folk, like it's anti-hero who is I'm no longer uh-huh. in the mob. I'm no longer part of that world. Yeah, yeah. But you still have the knowledge. The of, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm picturing so, like, you know, the invisible on. man. He's got like the, the wraps like in, in like the jacket. Oh, yeah, like yeah. that's kind of what yeah. I'm seeing for some mm. of these guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm thinking just like a punk rock mummy who is like wearing like a tattered t-shirt and it's like oh wow what are you wearing rags oh what are you wearing wraps and then he unwraps and it's like all tattooed and like glyphs and stuff like that yeah 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 and also leather jacket over it of course of course um with studs and everything anyway okay you clearly had a lot of fun with this one so uh again uh like courtney said before a big thank you to cam and a big thank you to all of you for listening if you want to spark joy within us you can do so by sending in a prompt and having us build your world by going over to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, where you can click the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. Of course, if you want to follow us on social media, you can do so by going over to Twitter and following at Let's World Build, where we tweet about stuff occasionally. Of course, if you want to talk to us more directly, you can always go to our Discord uh, link for that in the description and through the website where you can come chat with us, uh, submit prompts, chat about whatever you want. For example, the 1999 classic starring Oscar winner, Brendan <laughs> Fraser, the mummy. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, come and express how much you love that film, whatever. And of course, if you're feeling particularly generous for whatever reason, right, you can always give us money over on Patreon where you get access to sweet, sweet patron only goodies, including double the length of your prompt setting, setting prompt. Yep. You get mm-hmm. access to patron only discord channels, patron only episodes, early episodes, and a couple of other good stuff. Uh, it's all there. Go to our Patreon, give us money, and uh, we will thank you very much for it. And with all of that out of the way, that's going to do it for this episode of World Build With Us. Remember that we love you very much, and we're going to get through this together until next week. And if you haven't seen The Mummy, you need to. Yes, please go watch The Mummy right now. Right now. 